Hey guys, this is Texas Slim. Uh, I'm bringing you a new podcast, going to be called Texas Slim's Vision. Uh, we're going to be covering three different topics. Usually, it's going to be about food intelligence. It's going to be about the Texas Beef Initiative, and of course, international lifestyles. Tonight, we're going to talk about lifestyles, and we're going to bring an international flair to it. I've got a couple of friends of mine. They're down under. They're in Australia. They're in the state of Victoria. So, welcome, Sill and Tony. Hey guys, thanks for coming on. Pleasure. Thanks, yeah, thanks for, for having, having us. us. Uh, Pretty exciting. From the, from the prison state of Victoria. There totally you go. Yeah. It's the, the gulag state, we call it now. <laughs> true, Actually, true. We've, we've heard a lot of stuff about what's going on. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to kind of have this conversation with you guys and basically kick off the podcast and let people understand what's really going on around the world. And I think Australia is getting kind of hit the worst. So kind of you said gulag, Tony. What are you what are you seeing? What are you feeling every day? Kind of give us a little bit of an outline so we can kind of paint a picture here. Uh so look, you can only describe it as a a, a rapid erosion of basic rights. Yeah. Basic freedoms. Freedom to travel, freedom to Make a living, freedom to socialise, freedom to even be with your family, freedom to... Health. uh, Even be outside. Right. So, What do you you mean by that when you can't go outside? Okay, so... Melbourne was in a great... Melbourne in particular, not where we live, so that that sort of changed. The regulations changed by region. Uh, The Melbourne people have been particularly hard hit where... Mm. You know, so, so the rules have been uh, something along the lines of, at, at, at its worst, you could only go outside for, I think, one, one hour, hour a day uh, and only if you were in the process of, of doing exercise. So, you know, even if you sat down at a park bench to take a breather, you would potentially get harassed by police and fined. Yeah. Uh, while you must be wearing a mask and if you were caught, you know, more than... Five kilometres from your home, you would be fined. Uh, look, Draconian. Cur- uh, nighttime curfews. Military uh, presence on the streets. Yeah, like. Now, this is 60 I mean, kilometers look, that's just, that's just a sampling of, of the, the draconian regulations that we've been subjected to. Yeah. As far as that, it seems like it's kind of like a drip approach and kind of how they're trying to test everybody. And and it it seems like it didn't all happen at once, but it was like a sequence of events. Is that kind of my take? That's my take on it. Is that kind of how Uh, it started presenting itself? No, no, actually worse, much more insidious than that. I think Uh, the way I perceive it is, is, is it was all at once, but to make it even more uh, damaging to the population, and like a psyops. Yeah, like a real psyop as as taking and giving away rights uh, willy-nilly. At his discretion. You know, like taking them all away, giving a few back, and just when you think that you're getting some freedoms back, taking it all away again, giving a few back, taking more away, you know, to just, wow. just really, really <laughs> mess with people's minds big time. Well, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk about, you know, and I, I totally believe it, that a, a lot of people, especially Australia, has gone through a form of Stockholm syndrome. And that's kind oh, of sounds- absolutely. Anyway, absolutely. I, I just say that every day. I'm like, these people have all got Stockholm syndrome because they're celebrating what they're calling Freedom Day, where you've got, you know, they've given back a tenth of their rights and everyone's like celebrating like they're, like it's back to normal. And I'm like, right. you guys are mental. Um, if the new this is it's just as bad as it's ever been, and tomorrow they could just take away everything they've given back. So these new set of laws, TC, if they come through, yeah. we're basically so, so this is legislation that's been mm-hmm. proposed this week through okay. the state parliament. It's right. it's been passed through the lower house, which it was it was um, decided that that was a given that it was going to because the party that runs the state at the moment that's the majority. But if it passes through the upper house, where effectively you can go to jail for t- up to two years 
if you have a different political perspective than yeah. the current government, if you're not vaccinated, uh, there are so many draconian rules that are coming in. It's like... Yeah, we should send you a link to the... I, I did. I oh, actually okay. sent it to, to... Yeah, send me that link and whenever we let yeah. this uh, podcast go live, I'll, I'll put that so people can look at it and kind of be more so informed it, and everything. It, it gives the police the powers to... They can enter your home without a warrant. Yeah. Uh, just on a whim. They don't need any any reason at all uh apart from they can can detain you indefinitely for having based on your political views or affiliations and your medical your religion your uh yeah the the two-year jails there's two-year jail terms and one hundred ninety thousand dollars fines for uh not complying with a public health order um I look, that's, that's just a sampling. Let me ask ask you this question. Um, I've had some friends from Australia. They were all adventuresome. They were all, you know, they graduate high school. They go travel the world for a couple of years. They get off the Island of Australia and, you know, they've always been very bold people, very confident people. How did this seep into y'all's government, into your, into your regions, into your societies? looking back now, how did it happen? Were people just not paying attention to the political things that were being done? Yeah. So I see it as, um, it's the, slowly then it's a weakness exploited by who knows who, but it it, is to do with, um, the fact that we live in, in a very, very high trust society Uh where the general population trusted their government and sort of went along with stuff. And because they took away things bit by bit, it was slowly, yeah, like Sil said, slowly then suddenly. Um, it was kind of, you know, Before it just took it, everyone yeah. by surprise. Mm. That's amazing um, because I don't think people really kind of, I've heard people talk about, let's say, communism. You know, this is beyond communism for sure. Uh, but yeah. they say that, you know, communism takes forever to happen, but when it does, it's overnight because you don't realize it, that you've given away things bit by bit. And then all of a sudden they, they're gone forever and you'll never be able to rely on them again. And that to me, coming from Texas and looking at everything, that's what I see in talking with you guys. That's what I see that it's happening. Um, there's a direct, oh, direct mental side that's been, um, it's just an, ongoing like mental barrage of information from the media that's so in line with the government narrative that it almost blows my mind that people continue to not question it then they're trusting it without verifying anything and well Tony and I are on we're not so much on the outer but we're considered to be I suppose rebels because we have an opinion that's outside the collective and it's for the greater good. If I hear that one more time, I'm going to swear now. I'll fucking scream because it's so intense and I'm losing friends. I know I am. I can feel that. And like Tony said, don't worry about it. Just keep on, on our truth and keep on speaking what we've got to say. But, you know, we live in a great little part of the world, but we're seriously thinking, do we stay or do we go? Now, when you're, when you've got that kind of, um, pressure on you it's really really hard to plan a life to to have a life because we can't go anywhere we can't do anything we're completely beholden to the government and that is communism my well, parents escape that yeah and what that is you guys are already feeling it more than most people across the world because you know australia was you know it was it was down under it was it was yeah we all wanted we all want to go to australia as as uh americans and we all want to have friends that are australian we see it as something that is full of freedom and liberty, you know, from surfing to going out back, doing everything, especially if you're here in Texas. We have a lot in common with our spirit, with our free, sense of freedom and, and all of that. And to watch this happen, and you talk about the media, you know, Australia has one of the biggest media conglomerates in the world. I can't remember yeah. his name right now, but he He's owns a lot of, yeah, Murdoch, yeah. And he, you know, how powerful he is with controlling of information 
and who he's friends with is just, you know, people don't see that. They don't understand the game that's being played with the government and the media. And they do overwhelm you with a type of mental breakdown over time to where nobody knows really what to listen to anymore or to believe. They know that they can lie to everybody. And the next day they can basically retract that lie and nobody's even going to pay attention. So this is where we are in so in society because we're living a kind of a digital serfdom and a kind of interface surface level life that I think has trapped a lot of people's consciousness and basically stolen their own sense of self away from them. And I see that with you guys because you guys have had a pretty interesting life, man. You, yeah. you weren't just these two guys that were just corporate jockeys that, you know, nine to five, and that's how you've lived your whole life. And, you know, that's one thing you and you and I talked about still. And I think it was the, you know, us becoming friends was we started talking about our kind of our international travels and our, our mm -hmm. little adventures that started at a young age. And so I, the one thing that just, kind of that I gravitated to was you showed me a picture of you on a on a boat and you started yes. telling me a story let's let everybody kind of listen about your little boat ride you had oh well like I said I, I like to I always say that Bitcoin is one percenters I know it sounds insane and Tony's a big wave surfer so he'll give you his story but right I did something so crazy in 1995. I just wanted to get to Africa. And there was this guy from Darwin in Australia that had a yacht, a 39-foot catch that didn't have a motor, had no toilet, no shower. And I was married at the time. And I said to um, my husband, ex-husband, Otis, we should just go to Africa. And so we just hopped on this yacht and it took us a year and a half to get there, but we just island hopped through some of the most beautiful islands in the Indian Ocean. And I don't know if that, that was a pivotal moment in my life where I just understood pure freedom, where there was just no internet. We completely dropped off the face of the earth. There was no one to answer to, and it was the ocean. So extreme energy. And I can still smell it, hear it, see it. If I close my eyes, that is a visual that will stay with me forever. And then Africa, of course, was extraordinary. And, I mean, I'd travelled a lot before that, so my first real sense of adventure was my parents taking me back to Europe when I was seven, and that has got some meaning because my father escaped from the former Yugoslavia in 54. And then he saw his parents again 30 years later when we went to Europe or 25 years later, whatever it was, he saw his mother and father for the last time. So for me, travel became a real sense of, I don't know, I suppose connecting back to something and adventure. And we don't have that anymore. That's kind of, my kids won't feel that. I, I'm pretty sure they'll never have that sense of freedom that I had. When so for me, the boat trip was, yeah, extraordinary. Yeah, you said that took like a year and a half? Sure did, yeah. Did you? We, are, we stayed in Cocos Keeling, which was the last Australian. Uh, it's kind of like uh, it's a government atoll island uh, that was kind of like their quarantine station. So we spent two or three months there. Then we went to Mauritius, to Reunion, to Madagascar, and then, like I said, the southwest coast of Africa. That's amazing. Okay, this brings up a question because I think that we're going to go into some type of uh, – we're going through a food supply reset. So you're on the ocean for a year and a half. How did you guys sustain? How'd you live? You didn't well, live at the Walmart. You didn't live at the no, supermarket. No. It, you know, that's a really good question. And it's so, it, it really um, connects back to what you're doing. So we would have the fresh produce that we would purchase before we left from whoever it was like markets or, you mm -hmm. know, just the, the greengrocer, which wasn't really a greengrocer Walmart, like you said, it was just a couple of stalls, usually with um, people that really understood how to cultivate the land. And so you had the fresh food first and then you would just fish for what you had and you'd have to eat what you, because there was no refrigeration on the, on the yacht. This guy was an engineer that just dropped out of life, so everything was solar-powered. We didn't even have a motor, so he was completely... Um, using a sexton to and the stars to get to where we had to go. It was just the most, it was like being a pirate in the 1990s. It really was. And uh, I suppose the greatest thing about that was 
that we've just lived really, really a healthy lifestyle, except I've got to say being out at sea for two and three weeks at any given time was, was pretty hard on my body because I was lacking nutrients, of course. Sure. I was getting the fish and the fresh produce, but it was still, it was a harsh way of living. It was. But yeah. I survived Well, yeah, I mean, that it's not like you're going to be water world and be forever on the water. So you've got, you know, you were starting out healthy. You're healthy now. You're probably healthier Definitely. than a lot of people that you know. So uh, you oh, brought yeah. up something real, brought up something. One time I took a trip down to the, uh, to the Caribbean and I was out, out in Belize and I did a scuba diving trip for about a, a week and we were on a boat for a week and we were going out to the different keys and everything. And, um, you brought up basically the stars and the moonlight. And I think at that time, I think that was the first time I really felt that type of freedom because I was out at sea and, um, you know, I'm just so terrified that the younger generation is not going to understand what that type of feeling is that you said, and then I can reflect on right now. How is it when you are out in the middle of the ocean, you get the strongest sense of the fact that the world is really fucking round. There's no doubt about it because right. that complete dome shape that gives you unadulterated perspective. You just really do. I, I think if everyone gets the opportunity in their life to experience that they should, but I don't, yeah, I just, I think it's a dying art traveling like a traveler rather than a tourist is something that people just don't get anymore. They all just want to go to the, um, to the, to the belt or whatever it is to the hotel and go ding, 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 and get someone to grab their bags. That sense of adventure has been stolen from them. And that's because of, I suppose technology and uh, yeah, we just we just need to wow. get back to basics. I keep saying that back to basics. Well, you you bring up a good point. Our our adventure and our exploration, our DNA, basically has been changed. It's been captured in a way that people don't understand the way that we you know technology and how we use it and you know most people don't understand technology they just you know they look at the the interface i call it interface surface living so yeah. you know that's what a lot of people they don't even realize that they've they're already far gone in that but um i want to hear okay all right we got to give tony a chance because he's a big way server <laughs> i've been wanting to i've been wanting to hear his story for a damn long time and i've been holding back so tony rip it let us know it's great. All right, so um, where, do, where do I start? Yeah, you exactly. You said you just want to be a big white circle. Uh, yeah, so um, look, I kind of started off my early, early, uh, let's say, adult life. I was a professional surfer for 20 years. Um, how that came about was, well, my, fa my whole family surfed, basically. My dad surfed, my grandfather surfed. My great-grandfather was a surfer, believe it or not. Got a photo wow. of him in Waikiki. He, he learned to surf coming home from the war, First World War. Um, stopped in Hawaii and learned to surf at Waikiki. Amazing. Crazy. We've got a photo of him. That's amazing. Um, anyway, so that all led to me, you know, growing up on the ocean at the beach. Um, and I was just obsessed by it. Um, so all I ever wanted to do was surf because I loved it so much. And um, I was like, it was uh, right when professional surfing was really in, in its infancy when I was a kid. And I was like, I want to do that because <laughs> that way I can just surf and I won't have to work. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I executed that plan quite well. So, right. and, and I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I wasn't. I wasn't, uh, I was quite competitive, but it wasn't like my plan to be the world champion or the best competitor in the world. I really just wanted to go surf the best. I wanted to travel around the world and surf all of the best waves. And that was my vehicle. And it was, it worked really well. Yeah. Um, you were, you were leveraging freedom and uh, surfing was your fulcrum and, you know, freedom yeah, was your land. Yeah, so. And so that was during, you know, my career was during the 80s, 90s, 2000. Um, and, um, it was still, there was still at that time, it wasn't that long ago, but there was still, it was still kind of like, there was a lot of surf spots around the world that were relatively unexplored. I mean, there's sure. still a few, but that, that world is diminishing greatly. Although we can't even go to half these places <laughs> yeah. now. Um, 
So and yeah, there was that. And, um, and I'm going to go before that because it was kind of funny. Uh, we were talking about still sailing experience, but I, uh, my, my parents took me and my brother out of school when 1980 and uh, we, we had small yachts, 28, 30 foot yachts, a yacht. And uh, we actually spent a year living on that boat, sailing up the whole. You'd need to be geography to, 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 to visualise this if, you, if you're not Australian, but right up the east coast of Australia. Uh-huh. Uh, basically did the whole barrier reef all the way sure. across to Darwin. Um, so we did that for eight months. So basically just living, just our family on the yacht. And that that journey, there's there's nothing up that east coast of Australia, mm. like of right. Queensland, once you get north of um, Cairns. Do you go all the, all the way up to, like, what is it, Brisbane on the east uh, side? But way so further Brisbane, up. Brisbane's the very most southern. So we basically right. started... We started, started from there. in Brisbane, yes. Okay. Actually, started from there, yeah, from yeah. the Gold Coast, um, and sailed all the way up to the very northern tip gotcha. of Cape York Peninsula, and then across to Darwin. And then we um, left the boat there. We were going to sail across to Indonesia, but we re- we'd run out of time, and seasonally it was the doldrums and the cyclone season. So we we hopped on a plane, flew to Singapore, and backpacked on like a basically dollar a day budget throughout through Malaysia, Thailand, and a lot of Indonesia. So we did Sumatra, Java, Bali, Mm -hmm. um, Nias, which was complete wild west at the time. Um, Yeah. So that was a 12 month trip. So that, that was really eye opening as a, as a 15 year old, 14, 15 year old. And big waves too, I should imagine. And Indonesia then was really primitive, like where we were going. There was many, many places where they had not seen white people. Right. Uh, it was, it was pretty when was it? This would probably have been what somewhere late 80s, early 90s, somewhere this around was 1980. 1980. 1980. Yep. 1980. Yep. Wow. So, so yeah, that it was, was very primitive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was local, you know, buses, wow. trains, you know, yeah. didn't do much flying. I think we took like one or two flights, but it was all ferries, yeah. uh, buses. Yeah. It was- and you did this as a family? Yeah. Wow. So, and you were 15 when you did this. My mother, father, yeah, myself and my brother. And I was 15. My brother was 13, uh, 12. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reflect on something. When you're 15 years old and you get to do that much traveling, you're never going back to the normal world. Nah, <laughs> yeah, nah, yeah. Well, I was, yeah. Yeah. Spoiled, my, spoiled me as far as uh, living in the real world's concerned. Yeah, never well, it should, that's, that's what we're trying to get at and make people understand. That's how everybody should be able to live if they yes. choose. Yes. Every every family should be able to go on a trip like that because it's not a financial burden. I mean, more people do what you just said and what Sil just said, being very low income, but high yeah. adventuresome spirit. So there's no reason that us as people living in the world right now should not be doing that. It should, it should be a freaking uh, battle cry for people to say, this is going to be my life. I deserve to give this to my kids and my kids deserve to receive it from me. I mean, you guys got some yeah. teenagers there in Australia right now that you're raising. So, okay. Yeah. I had to throw that shit in there. So continue the story, Tony. So in what you just said, like, of course, like, you know, even well back then, of course, not everybody's doing that kind of stuff. We were really right. on the end. It's like, yeah, we there was. Uh, I didn't have a friend at school that did any kind of trips like that. So, sure. you know, that's pretty extreme. Yeah, it's pretty extreme. But the problem now is you don't have the. We don't even have the option to do that anymore. Yeah. Right. So we can't even leave the country. I can't. We can't leave the. Barely leave the state. It's very difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's so what people are not understanding here. Yeah. And, and the whole globe is really locked down a little bit that way, like to where you just banned from going and having adventure. Okay. If I had a couple thousand dollars to spare and I'd say, all right, you guys are getting out, let's say more than a couple of thousand. If I had about $8,000, I could say, you guys are coming to Texas. Guess what? You guys aren't coming to Texas, even if you wanted to. You can't fly in the United States right now. So No, we can't. Unless we're, unless we're va- double vaccinated, we can't literally leave our state right now right i mean i don't yeah i don't even think they're letting anyone still leave the country unless you're one of the specials 
Yeah. yeah. Well, it depends on where you're flying and they're going to check with, you know, the country that you're flying into. And if they have a restriction, you're not going. So it is a form of imprisonment. You know, they are, they are coordinated on a global level with this. This is just not a country thing, but they're making a very local thing out of everybody's lives. And you guys are feeling that pain right now. You know, just to just to take it back to what you were saying as well, um, TC, in in regard to traveling on a budget, we could do that back in the eighties and the nineties, even the early two thousands. You could travel on a small amount of money as long as you didn't have all the all of these expectations to consume out of control. And mm -hmm. this is another thing. Like this is why we are in so much trouble because everything is back to front. Everything just it's it's the value of your time is to do with money so that you can purchase shit you don't need and I think that's where Tony and I are finding it really hard to just live in this current world because it's just become yeah. a place that we're, we're not into. Like we keep saying we're living in clown world. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the world is run by clowns. Yeah. In this clownish manner of incompetence and failing stupidity. up stupidity yeah. yeah where if you the more incompetent you are the higher up you'll rise in the hierarchy of the political sphere or the even the corporate sphere now it's like everything is the uh, meritocracy is dead yeah and yeah. Uh, i love what you're offering it's now quite bizarre it's and like yeah. dig deep find find yeah. find your inner spirit and and this is what we need to to like tell the stories of of what we were who we were and hopefully someone will just I mean there's lots of kids that want to do it Tony's one of Tony's daughters she's amazing she you know went to Canada a couple of times and she still has that sense of spirit my daughter wants to travel next year but I just feel like they're being that's being stolen from them and in at this time of technology and the lifestyles that we should be leading, it should not be the case. So there's definitely somebody that's strangling our, our more than just our freedom. It's the spirit of, of who we are and what we are. And that's what terrifies me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, that's the thing a, a lot of people don't understand because, you know, I come from basically telecom. I was in software design. I was in Austin, Texas. I was during a very pioneering type of the internet and software. And then I ended up in the uh, intelligence labs of a, tele a telecommunications company, but people don't understand how much they have been hijacked already in their consciousness and their spirit. That's what scares me the most because a lot of these young people, young humans, young adults, teenagers, toddlers, all, you know, across the spectrum of age, they'll never even know. They'll, they just, yeah. it's, it will never be. And this is not us being a bunch of old, fuckers saying that hey we used to live a better life than you this is saying something that hey we had the opportunity and we seized it that's what we chose yeah. to do and now we cannot do that and they're not allowing our children which is built in their dna to try to do the same thing again and people have been pacified to a level of convenience that they will never even give two rats ass if they don't get to do it because they're in their comfort zone and they think that they're being good when they stay home and then they get an hour out into the sun to get some vitamin d that seems like a vacation and you brought up something earlier you know you're talking about people you know they go to how they travel before they had uh, the COVID marketing plan that was released onto the world a couple of years ago they had a data study that they did and they studied people's behaviors when they went on vacations they already knew that most people on vacation just changed living rooms that was their absolutely. vacation absolutely yes. yes and that's the and they knew and they know uh that they knew going into all of this that they knew that people like to be told when to eat they like to be have their food delivered to them. They like to be spoon-fed their information and their entertainment. Nothing different than the world we live in right now. And they already knew this going into it. And so do you think that they had full confidence that they were going to be able to do this? you damn right they did. And see, stuff like that, that just that one study that they did, because it's built on off of data, and uh, that just goes to show you how much of our self-producing data is basically turning ourselves into our own prisoners. And that is something that 
it, like I said, it terrifies me, pisses me off. Uh, I'm in Texas. It's not as bad. I don't give a rat's ass anymore about flying. Um, I'd rather road trip it across, you know, the United States. That's what a lot of my lifestyle writings are going to be about. International lifestyle, basically rediscovering it starts from home. Yeah. You guys can't even do that. You just kind of said that you are so imprisoned into what we call a county level here. I don't know if it's a district there in um, in state. Australia. It is. Well, you have your states and we have counties. And so yeah, we, um, have, we have we have the equivalent of counties, which is a shire. Okay, there you go. It's a shire. Local regional area. I think that's where they're going to start hitting it next for a lot of people. And it'll be dependent on compliance. It'll be dependent on a lot of things people aren't realizing. Well, they've been doing that here uh, since the start right. of COVID emergency. Right. Um, yeah, they've been locking it down by by the shire, by the each regional shire. There you so go. So Melbourne, Melbourne right. area had different restrictions from others. Well, the worst uh, of the world. You know. Yeah, so they, they've been they've been doing just like that. So that that, that, that experience been going on. Yeah, and they're winning. And there there are people. When I explain to my friends, don't you want to have the freedom that you had before? I've travelled around Australia. I've driven around Australia a few times, and it's the most extraordinary country. But you can't even do it. Yeah. My brothers, literally, one of my brothers escaped over the border a week ago because. He just couldn't stand it anymore. He didn't. He doesn't want his children to have to wear masks at school, so they've pulled their kids out of school. I mean, it's mandatory now for a five-year-old to wear a mask in a classroom. Kill me now. That, yeah. that, that is, that's criminal. That is. Of course criminal. it is. Of course it is. And and what they do. Tony's even said that children, well, children globally are suffering. That's what we were talking about this morning. But if you take away someone's sense of freedom, you you own them. You yeah, own them. Of course you do. I mean, it, I it's like cutting. <laughs> One yeah. second. And the thing about it, Tony, let Syl get her cat in. Uh, what that really reflects on that people, this has always happened throughout history. You know, this is just a different form of doing it. And what people don't understand is throughout history, people had to fight because they had to fight against this type of oppression. And the thing that they've been able to do is take the fight out of most people in society because of the comfort levels, yeah, you know, yeah. and that's where I get into, you know, the, what I'm doing with the food intelligence and how the food is now being used as a weapon against us. And they're just now getting started. So there's so many things that they have control over now that they're fully confident in that, you know, I, I look at it like this. We're the 1% of the world right now for several reasons, because of Bitcoin, because we are maximalists in the Bitcoin world. And the other thing is that we truly get decentralization. The other is that we don't mind fighting for our freedom and then we're gonna go toe to toe with the world and we're not gonna basically, you know, we're gonna lose some battles, we know that. And, uh, you know, I had a thought today that I was gonna share with you guys. You know, the Taliban's very inspirational to me because you know what, they lost almost every battle, but they won, they won the war. So, uh, you know, you put it in perspective is like, there's going to be some shit that we have to go through to basically, but you know, one compliance means a thousand you don't see. And you guys are seeing that right now. Oh, Tony oh, yeah. says that every day. He, uh, he, yeah. I, right now. Yeah, compli compliance is just not an option. No. You, you, go on, you, go on, you go on, you comply. Even with one thing, I think you just, you're done. You're cooked. So we've, we've said we're, we're prepared to go to jail on this one. If those laws get passed through, I mean, I've heard, once again, I, I haven't verified this, but there's a lot of um, talk that judges and MPs, they're all, they've, all been, they've all been bought, That's, you know. Yeah, of course. Yeah. The, well, the, story, the story we hear, and it's a story, it's just whatever, you know, that Australia has been bought by China in, in a lot of ways on the corporate level. A lot oh, of yeah. Corporate um, education systems, especially at a university level, oh, yeah. uh, is pretty much infiltrated by the Chinese Communist Party. Right. Uh, they, they are like... The, 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 Indoctrinate. This state, actually, education was uh, the biggest 
export of to the China. state. So yeah. right, um, and, and that's mostly to Chinese. Um, right. So this huge, a huge chunk of our, our economy was based on, on, on that. So really. And then okay. our premier did a deal with the CCP. Secret deal. <laughs> Not, yeah. And the federal uh, government. For the Belt and Road Initiative, yeah. Right. So, and then yeah, the, gov- there's the a, government. There's a lot of smoking guns pointing to, to uh, some. Infiltration of the Some high- ownership of us by the Chinese. Like as, even. As far as our political, educational and, and even corporate world goes. Right. Uh, so, especially because much of our primary produce is exported to China as well. A lot, of, a lot of industry, we're really reliant on, over-reliant on those guys. So if you had to predict, because you guys are going to have to do a little predictive analysis moving forward, what do you see, paint a picture for us, what do you see happening, what do you see you guys doing, and how are you going to leverage your past, your knowledge of the world, what are you going to do? Tony asked that question yesterday and he said, Sil, we need to have a plan. What what are we going to do? And right, do you know, it's really hard. If we could build a boat, I'd love to take everyone along on a journey with us, but we're not building a boat. (laughs) (laughs) We buy a boat, Um, you know, and we sail the fuck out of here. If these laws pass in this state, you can't live under that. Right. I think you have to get away. You have to get away at that point. There's no, because you can be, uh, you could have a, you could, it means you could have a conversation like this. And if they, because they, they pass laws in this country where um, the police can now monitor your um, social media. Sure. And yeah. they can edit your social media. Right. Okay, so they're they're allowed to do that legally. So what that means is, if they don't like you, they could actually edit. uh, They could edit incriminating evidence stuff into your social media posts and come and arrest you for it. They could they could actually frame you and they could do it legally. They have the legal right to do that. It's crazy, and that's 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 those laws have come in at a federal level level, not even a state level. Really. that's pretty serious. I don't think many people know this, but this is stuff. So they can go into your Facebook. They can monitor your Facebook. They can edit your posts to make, they can change your posts. And they're saying, oh, but we only, we're only going to change your post because if it's harmful stuff, we can make it less harmful. But they could actually, like, they have the power to go in there and change it to, and put incriminating Anything they want. Anything posts they want. there to, to, and then come around and arrest you. Yeah, they and, put anything they want in there. You know, and you're actually asking it's unbelievable. You're asking a really like hard hitting question mm-hmm. to two people that have lived a life of adventure, that have had the courage to just drop out of society, drop out of life, and disappear off the face of the earth basically for two years. But in this surveillance state that we're currently living under and world. It's, it's making it so hard because also your children think you're crazy, which is really a scary thought, you know what I mean? Like, and that's the first thing that the CCP does is they turn family against family. They cut off mm-hmm. the religious side of things so that there's, a, there, there's not that higher order to answer to, if that makes sense. And I'm not, I mean, I was brought up a Catholic. I'm not practising, but having some kind of faith, at least it underpins you to something that, gives you accountability and I'm just finding right now we're literally like sails in the wind like which way sure. do we go we have to make yeah. a decision and it's friggin' hard it's yeah. fucking hard it's so, so I don't know if you realize but you you actually banned from working if you're not double vaxxed now really in this state yeah so mm. uh, it, and the way they've done it is they've mandated any employer if you employ anybody yeah you will be fined into bankruptcy uh, if you employ anyone. If you employ anyone that's not vaccinated, so they've just coerced every business in the state to to basically sack everyone. Mm. Uh, you know, and you know how they're you know how they're able to do all this. You know, let's get to the fundamentals here. Let's get to the source. You know how they're able to do this? Yeah, they're they're, they're coercing the population to do the dirty work for them. Sure. 
But you know, what's funding this? What's funding it is false, false fiat money, basically. Oh, yeah. You know, the world has been bought. Look how much money the United States has printed in the last, you know, couple of years. We've printed 40% of our currency in the last two years or something like that. All that money has no value to anybody except the people that are going to control the common man. Absolutely. This is why people do not understand. This is why Bitcoin is so important. It's the, it's the base layer of getting back our value in our life. And we have to leverage every direction that from the food to the freedom that you guys are being stolen to everything that we touch. Nobody, everybody needs to start bringing this into the Bitcoin world and to every conversation about how can we leverage the philosophy of Bitcoin, the protocol of Bitcoin, the leverage of Bitcoin, and how we can help people that are in your situation because you just said it, you're at a loss. Where do you start? And so that's what we have to start, you know, really start thinking about us collectively as a group of people in this in this Bitcoin Twitter world that we have going on right now. We've got to help each other out. We've got to stay informed. We've got to hear from everybody from Australia to Croatia to, you know, to Indonesia, to Malaysia, to Thailand, to Europe, to, you know, everywhere from Texas to California. And, you know, that's that's something we have to start doing because there is no way for you guys to live to have to be freaking processing this crap every day. You're not equipped to do that because you're too free. And because you yeah. have a sense of freedom that you have always lived by, which is actually a very strong stance in courage in the, in the, in the realm of life. People don't understand that, you know, traveling, traveling like we have traveled is not romantic. It's hard work. It's freaking hard work. It's painful. But you, always, back, you look back and you go, oh, my wow. God, that was the most amazing wow. thing ever. And I just noticed. It shapes you as a human being. It actually shapes you. for. It for really does. It, right there. How important is that, that it shapes you? The yeah. smile. The three, because the three of us are looking at one another. Right. The, the instant smiles on our faces split our, our, our heads in two. That's how wide the grins were of the knowing. and. The knowing that we share is something that that people need to understand that that's what nourishes your soul. Yeah. It's not fucking money that you get from some dickwad paying you every week that is beholden to the government. And, and this is where Tony and I, we have removed ourselves from the system. We are fortunate. I, I um, When I got divorced, I ran a cleaning company and I was doing copyright and that's what got my children through school and all of those sorts of things before I met Tony. And we're still continuing with that. So when I literally say I still clean to get fiat money so that I can pay the bills, but everything that we own is in Bitcoin, everything. Apart that's from awesome. the house, we have completely, it's not buying into it. This is the only way. As Jeff Booth says, there is no other way. This is the only way forward. And my children and Tony's children know that, that we will die on this hill with our boots on standing because we're not going on our knees. We're not going down no. on our knees. And, and, and we have to continue this fight. And Bitcoin Twitter for me and you especially have been a lifeline during the most tumultuous six months of my life because I think I'm having PS, PTSD or whatever it is that my, I often will say to Tony in the middle of the night, I'm just trying to imagine what my 15-year-old father was thinking when he escaped alone out of a country to, for freedom. That was when the former USSR was, mm-hmm. um, it was Yugoslavia. And then my grandparents did the same thing with my eight-year-old mother. So this is real. And People need to understand we're not just carrying on because we want to create some kind of drama. I'm, no. I'm not a drama queen. I'm the furthest from it. Yeah, and, and same here. I'm, I'm freaking Texan. You know, true Texans aren't drama queens. Yeah, no. You're, <laughs> and you're and all the Australians that I've, all the Australians I've ever known, far from, they get a little goofy sometimes when they get drunk. But you know, that's just part of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. That's so true. But the, yeah, thing, yeah. the thing about it is, this is not LARPing. This is not trying to get attention. This is grassroots 
we're going to call bullshit on the world right now. And guess yeah. what? We're going to go toe to toe with it in the ways yeah. that we know how. So yeah. going back to made us all laugh and smile. Yeah. Being an adventurous person, being one of exploration, being of exploration of the globe, being exploration of yourself, of your spirit is hard freaking work. Yeah. And that's what people don't understand. And people like us have never gotten that credit, world travelers especially. And so that's what I really want people to understand. I mean, I've been around the world a couple of times too. I rode a motorcycle across Asia. I've, you know, been all over Mexico. You know, I've, I've done so much, you know, I've been an internationally certified ski instructor. I miss that spirit so yeah. much. And I make myself think about it every day. Now I do not let myself forget about it because it, it really is the energy in my writing. It is my energy on Bitcoin, Twitter, on my shit posting and, um, and my good posting. <laughs> I try not to shit post too much, but we all have to. We have responsibilities. <laughs> but what we have to remember is that we have to keep this spirit alive. Yeah. And, you know, and we have to find a way out of this mess. And it starts with the source. It starts the source of the seed of our spirit. And I think that's what all of us are wanting to do. And, and you know, in, in meeting you guys and, you know, you first sill was like, you know, I could, I could sense, you know, the spirit because you're a hell of a writer as well. You have something, you have a special something to you that doesn't come from being a nine to five person that is basically being told what to do her whole life. It comes from somewhere else that is very special. They know that. That's why they're trying to kill our spirits, and yeah, they're and they're doing so it in certain true. and they're doing it in certain ways that it is a grind. And you guys are feeling that grind right now, and I feel for you. You know, I, I definitely feel for you. You know what it feels like? It actually feels like an ever tightening noose around mm -hmm. your neck, literally, as well as uh, a huge weight and a jackboot on your chest that's ever increasing in weight. Like it's just encroaching from all angles, right? It's like this feeling every day it gets worse. It's this heavy feeling. It's it's terrible. Yeah. And it's um, something you've never felt before, right? Never. Uh, ever, never. 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 Yeah. never. So it's real. And it it's, creates anxiety and like. Pressure. And anger. Yeah. Right. It's really, really like, I guess for us, because we're like, let's get it off. Get yeah. it off. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. You know? And you know, Tony. Um, Tony is a bit. He he didn't it's hard really. To describe, yeah. He didn't really speak about his big wave surfing. But if you look up Tony Ray, you'll see some okay. of the, some of the waves he's surfed. Just extraordinary, right? He every year goes on a pilgrimage to Western Australia, where he just lives in the dirt and lives off what he what he catches from the sea. So it's complete abundance from nature, apart from the essentials, of course. But it's kind of when he reconnects to himself and that's been stolen from him for two years. And Tony's the type of guy that never, ever complains, but I can see it. I can see what it's doing to him. He's imprisoned in his own body because his release is hurtling down a liquid mountain. Right. And so when you steal things that are the core of someone's being, you fucking deserve a, a, a gun to the head. I, I know I shouldn't say that about Daniel Andrews because I said something about him on Bitcoin Twitter and I got cancelled for a day. <laughs> so I have to learn to be a little bit more. Right. Sort of, jail tomorrow. Yeah, I, I'm going to jail. Tony and I said, we're, we're already waiting for the police to come here. And my son always, he's like a six foot little ranger and he just thinks I'm crazy. But he does know that if we do go to jail, we're going. And yeah. it's just to prove a point that this is real. Like we we are not going to um, uh, what, what's that uh, capitulate to them? We're just not. Yeah. yeah, and you can't. And you know, it's a very low time preference, high value way of thinking and acting. And I I see that as the only solution. There is no other solution. You have to stand by. You have to go toe to toe with with them, and you just tell them, you know, I'm not bending. I'm not going down to a knee. And I never will. And, you know, we're about to go through a United Nations climate change stuff. And they've got some people that I've been pretty impressed with so far as far as countries and parliament procedure people within the U.N. 
there's some people fighting back that a lot of people aren't seeing on the news. You know, I get these type yeah, of streams. Yeah, this is good though, but this is good because, you know, India basically told the UN climate people basically to piss off. That's good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, another lady got up there today and she said, basically, screw you. I'm already a free person. I do not need your permission. And, and she was from Germany. And she said, if you want to break, take me to jail, here I am. I will never wow. take your vaccination. You cannot tell me if I'm free or not. And so that's going to, you know, we always, it always gets darker before the dawn. We all know that. And, um, you know, I think in a lot of the big picture that this is a beta test in a big, long plan of a decade, which is the 2030 plan. So what we have to do, people like you, people like me, I'm not having to be as much as a warrior as you guys, but we got to stand our fucking ground and that's it. Yeah, nothing sweet. else, nothing else. I feel yeah. for you guys. Uh, you know, I know how difficult it is. But we we we're gonna come together. Uh, Sil, you and I are gonna work. You're gonna you're gonna keep on doing your type of writing, and you know we're gonna get the word out. And I respond to yours because, like I said, yours is um, just has a beautiful flow to it that is um, evocative and visceral, if that makes sense. And that's sure. what we need. People need to be inspired through the words. Like when you tell a story, I feel like I'm there. And if you get that strong sense of place from storytelling then that's a job already done. And it's not going to be Mark Zuckerberg's virtual cuck bill. Right. Like, kill, kill me now if ever something like that comes to pass. Like, really. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't even gone there yet in my own mind. I just, I, I have a lot oh. to say about that, but I'm going to reserve it for right now until all the noise settles down. And then yeah. I'll let everybody really know what's going on. What scares me the most out of all of what he's doing is the basically the predictive uh predictive marketing that they're about to unleash onto the world and yeah. uh and how they're basically digitizing food how the predictive marketing the basically the mesh or the meta crap that he's doing and the digitizing of food is all really kind of going to start meshing together and it's it's pretty terrifying. And we talk about people not having a sense of self or spirit anymore. Gets you know, say goodbye, you know, and people are going to be totally fine with it because oh, yeah. it, if, you go, if you go live in that metaverse, you, yeah, you're, going, you're just going to be part of it. It's you're like cooked. I mean, it's like the Matrix movie. Yeah, it really is. You, I mean, if that if you immerse yourself in that, you basically in the twilight. Well, you know, you know who they're going to come after with through. that they're going to come after the kids and they're going to come after yeah. senior citizens yeah. Yeah. and they're going to come after the old people because the old people say, well, I wish I could have gone to Hawaii. Well, now you can. And so. Yeah. Well, they're really coming after the kids mostly. Yeah, you, for sure. Yeah, you get the kids addicted to that, like social media and oh, it's yeah. like, they're done for life. Like there's oh, yeah. really hard, it'd be really hard for a kid to come back from that. Uh, yeah. it, it, they live their first 10 or 15 years of their life like that. Yes. Uh, they're not going to want to come out. Yeah, no, no, they're not. No. And that's and one thing, Tony and I, we, we, we raised our children pretty much without any outside. internet. They were outside. <laughs> yeah. They were climbing trees. They were going camping. Yeah. They were running around in puddles and swimming in the ocean and going to the snow and just doing all the things that are tactile and so important to keep your warrior spirit alive oh my cat just attacked me she's <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. It's> like <laughs> yeah. anyway we've got, we've got the cat cat. <laughs> <laughs> you go. naughty cat see um, yeah times are uh, changing <laughs> yeah i'm like uh, this is so good to speak on a level because we feel like at least you on the other side of the world like i feel your energy every day i speak about you every day and it's kind of like having an anchor in a world where in texas at least you guys have got a lot more freedom than we have you, you're more inclined to actually fight for it too australians have just rolled over and died and i'm so disappointed except my mother yeah. she's a 76 year old warrior that's she knows what's going on. Her and Tony were, were onto this way before I was. I knew something was amiss, but I wasn't quite sure what. 
And Tony said to me, this is really bizarre, about three years ago we were on, at a campfire and he's, he's never, like, he never, never speaks anything too dramatic and he just said, Sil, we are heading for something so scary. I don't know what it is, but it's, I hope I'm wrong, but it is really scary. And it's here. And here it is, right? And COVID just, just exacerbated that whole sense sentiment and gave power to the most corrupt people on the planet. And we, we are in our lounge room every day. We say we're fighting a revolution with you guys in Texas, with people in Miami, with people in Malaysia. Like there's this great kid. I don't know if he's a kid. I think he's about 25 or 28, Raj, in Malaysia. And then there's Luke Mikic, who's up in Brisbane. And they're all on Bitcoin Twitter and we're all, we're, we're all fighting for, for sovereignty. And I keep saying this and my father said it and Tony says it all the time. We're all just one generation away from losing our freedom. And, and kids need to understand this, that this is something you have to fight for for the rest of your life. You can't just become complacent and roll over and say, it'll pass. It won't. No, it's not going to pass. And you know what? What you guys, I'll just make the suggestion, you know, a lot of people don't even understand about the American Revolution. Only 3% of the colonists participated in the revolution. It wasn't a majority. And so what's, we have to keep on saying that. Let's bring history back and let's bring a perspective back. It was only 3%. And just think about only 1% of the population of the world is going to make Bitcoin happen too. So it's not a numbers game as far as majorities here. It, it's a quality of of movement, of action, of uh, standing your ground. And so, yeah. you know, you just brought up some names and everything. We need to get them into the conversation with this international lifestyle podcast that we're going to start doing. What I'm going to do is I'm going to edit this. It won't take much. I'm going to probably get an intro to it. You know, this is going to go up. Probably today is uh, two days before Halloween. So hopefully next week, you know, we're all going to be hearing ourselves on Bitcoin Twitter and we're going to have a podcast that we can listen to. Uh, one thing I want you to do, we're going to do this again after this airs because we're going to get some traction on this. Okay. So tonight or today over there, it's nighttime here. I want you to get on Twitter and I want you to kind of just say a little bit, I put a post up and I said, Hey, there's a podcast coming and it's called Texas Slim's vision. So you guys get on there and start spreading the word and start inviting some people, start making a list of people that you think is going to be good for these conversations. And as, one. good. Cause what we're going to do moving forward, we're going to get a group of people and we're going to do this once a week and we're going to be keeping everybody up to date. It's going to be kind of like a new fireside chat that everybody, gets to vent a little bit but then everybody gets to gets to smile a little bit on what we used to do and kind of brag about how much that we were badasses because we are badasses we are you know and 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 just because we're a little bit um wiser it doesn't mean we're old because wisdom is a, is a state of mind it's not like i said you're as fit as you probably were when you're 20 so is tony yep. I, I am too i can yep. say and and also, another thing that we have to reiterate, which goes to your food initiative, you you are what you put in your body and just that cooking and things like that, they just have to be brought back into our daily lifestyles. It's really important. That's been lost. Some are in translation, the way I was brought up, the way Tony was brought up. It's just convenience has taken over culture. And yeah, it really is. Yeah, so what we need to do is really, I, I'm with you all the way on that um, food intelligence, I think that's imperative for kids to stay sane in this insane world. Yeah, it, it really is. And, you know, I've, I've written a lot of, uh, you know, articles so far. Uh, it looks like I've got picked up by an independent media company too, which is going to be good. I'll be able to yeah. announce that. So that will get a lot of, uh, hopefully, a lot of traction out there that we can, they get to basically post it. It's going to be the same delivery of content so that I get to write whatever I want to. So I'm going to bring y'all's story into everything as well through my writing. And like I said, he has, he, they've got a uh, international audience. And so this, this is about to start taking some traction. It's going to start uh, picking up some steam. So we're just going to keep on doing what we're doing right now. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about this for about three weeks. Yay. Yeah. Now we've done it. <laughs> we did you know, it, man. You're, you're, a, you're a doer and Tony and I respond to doers because I, I 
I sometimes say my I, I'm always on the move. That's just what I do. Right. I can't feel. But this is something, and, and just to get off topic, because you keep saying, what are we going to do? Well, right now we're fighting here in this state because sure. I have to be true to my 16-year-old son who needs to finish school, I suppose, because at least he's still in, a, in a, an environment where we have a lot of influence on him and I know he's responding to that. Mm-hmm. So if I do go to jail, I often say to him, I'm going to give you Texas Slim's handle and you just have to say, Tony and Sill are in jail. But there you go. Not yet. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, look, the two things we've been doing is to fight back a bit. There's so, so much we do, but we've been trying to wake people up to what's going right. on. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, hey, just go buy a bit of Bitcoin. Get, and we've done get, that. Get some of it. Yeah. And so nearly everyone in our family now owns Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. So that, that's a good start. Yeah. And there's a few other people in the community that have responded, that have gone out and had mm-hmm. a good look. And some of them bought some, some of them right. want to, but yeah, so they had a little bit of traction there. So those, those are the things. And just, and this will help. This and, I, and I think those, those, I think once people, if you get into a, a Bitcoin and you figure out what it is a little bit, that wakes you up, honestly. That, it that, really that, does. What will wake you up? Yeah. If you can understand the protocol, even at a very rudimentary level, you will start to wake up to what's going on. It because will, yeah. the, the Bitcoin protocol embodies the values of freedom and mm-hmm. self-sovereignty yeah. that that we're so alarmed about losing that everybody, not everybody, but so many people are just seem completely blind to, yeah, completely oblivious. Um, and, and you know, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if I wouldn't have found Bitcoin. I, I'd be doing things differently. Okay. I would. I wouldn't be as enlightened as I am. I wouldn't be as awake as I am of the past. Actually, yeah. On the other way around, I actually, I, I, we kind of got into Bitcoin because there was a couple of reasons, but it was I think it started listening to Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Was it for me? Really changed my view of things a lot. Okay, and and then when I and then when we went somehow got into Bitcoin, it was actually through his brother. Yeah, he's been banging was, on was about it. Was it was a catalyst, but yeah, but because of the stuff I'd learned through Jordan Peterson, I when I had a look at it, I was like, oh wow, this is this actually is money that embodies value. All the things that he's kind of teaching. Sure. Yeah. Um. So it kind of went the other way. But that's that's then, cool, though. That's like a good story. It was like this loop right. that just really accelerated the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's kind of awesome because um, I like to hear that because no matter what, you're going to, if you have that yearning for the value that we talk about, you're going to find Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> Bitcoin will. finds you. Somehow, somehow, you know. (laughs) It comes back to your to the core of what you are about, the source of the seed. It comes from the very beginning, from the germination of that one seed that embodies who you are and what you're about. And Bitcoin's just energy, and and energy is actually energy is seeking Bitcoin in every facet of life. So. Freedom is the biggest thing. When someone says to me, I will say it till the day I die, what is Bitcoin to you? It's just freedom. Legacy, but freedom. And and without freedom, there is no legacy, is there, really? Because no, no. you've just been pathetic then. If you roll over and die, you're just part of the problem. Yeah, and that's that's something I'm bringing back within my writings as far as you know the heritage of Texas and I, I want to it. I want to bring back legacy, heritage, and tradition into people's conscious thought, and that's something that probably I think we've been going on a little bit over an hour here. What we're going to do is we're going to uh, we're going to pick it up there in the next cast. It'll be part two of the original mm-hmm. Texas Slim Vision podcast and so um let's let's kind of shelve it there and we're gonna let everybody kind of listen to this kind of give us some feedback and see what you kind of thought of what we're talking about how do you want to contribute uh if you'd like to have a discussion with us and then um we're gonna sign off for now but i want tony and sill to say whatever you want to and let people know 
what you're thinking or whatever. And, uh, and then we're gonna go ahead and end this one. Okay, so I'm just gonna say, uh, Texas Slim, AKA TC, thank you for reaching out because your turn of phrase is what initially gave me hope. And now I just feel like I've found my tribe and this is the army that I want to go to war with and on and I'll die on this hill. Seriously, I mean that. Like from the bottom of my heart, I thank you. Man, it's been my pleasure meeting you guys. Uh, and, uh, and we have to give credit where credit was due. It's, it's Bitcoin, just like Bitcoin. we were just talking about. What about you, Tony? Uh, um, cheers to making new friends. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Here, here. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like-minded people. So hard to find like-minded people in this world. I found. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's not that easy. So. No. And good. courage, courageous people to to go against the um, grain of society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, thanks for yeah. I, I, look, you, I think you're you're going to be a catalyst for us to getting into a bit more more action on this, mm. which. Is needed. Which is needed because, I don't know, what, what do they say? that Evil will persist when good men do nothing or something like that. I don't know who said that. Right. It's quite a... And if yeah. not after who, if not when, then if not now, then when? So... Well, the time is now and truth always prevails and uh, courageous people take the lead. And, you know, I have no doubts about that. I couldn't live any other way. And I, I would not allow myself to not to meet people like you guys in my life. If I'm not surrounded by like-minded people, I move on and I find them. And I, I'm on a quest to do that for the rest of my life. And I know that that's at stake right now that they're trying to shut that off. So what we're going to do is we're going to bring this really hard and fast from here on out. You guys are going to be welcome on every uh, podcast that we do about lifestyles and everything. And then even on some food intelligence. So we're going to work together as a team. It has started. There's no turning back. And so everybody pay attention, uh, share this podcast out. Let's get some traction with it. And we'll be seeing you probably pretty soon. Thanks guys. We'll talk to you guys later. Okay. Right. Ciao. Love you guys. Big love, right. Big love boys. Signing out. Right. Sign it out. Yeah.